I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! All right, for once and for all, stick a fork in him, Tyler Aki. Syracuse basketball, NIT, is a thing that is happening, at the very least. I mean, at this point, maybe NIT is in question because UNC comes into the Dome, spoils Tom Brady, spoils Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon being there, John Wallace, Jersey retirement. It was such a Dior fun day. Dior and James Westry, everyone was in the building. Syracuse, yeah, was I mean, a, the Dome was the place to be. The stars were aligned, 30,000. It was such a great atmosphere in the first half when they started coming back. And then, as Jim Beheim said, UNC made shots and just dominated the 2-3 zone once again. I mean, are they ever going to beat UNC? It feels like they just won't ever do it with the 2-3 zone. It's, I mean, here's the thing, and we've seen it now for a couple years against this UNC team, is they have a fast point guard who pushes the tempo and that really played out in this game. You saw Cole Anthony, when he got the ball, he was moving. He was getting up the floor, trying to beat the defense down the floor. And you got to think, this is something Syracuse has to practice in the games leading up to UNC. You know you've got a fast guard in Cole Anthony or Kobe White from the year before. They like to get the ball and go. I mean, that's their MO. They're going to catch the ball and turn up floor and move. You got to get back on defense. And Syracuse just didn't get back. It sounds so simple. Get back on defense, but it did that didn't play out at all on the in, in this game. And you saw whenever Syracuse did beat UNC down the floor, well, Garrison Brooks kind of carved him up. Leaky Black carved him up. Brandon Robinson carved him up from that high post area. It was a quick dump there, quick out to either Cole Anthony for a three, Brandon Robinson for a three, Christian Keeling. I mean, if if it's gonna be Christian Keeling's game, you're probably not gonna win. Okay. UNC made a lot of shots in this game that they just simply don't. And we kind of laid it out perfectly in our preview podcast too, Tim. We said, okay, UNC does not shoot the ball well from three, but if they do shoot the ball well from three, there are going to be problems. And Cole Anthony was a problem. Seven of 11 from three. That's where he picked up 21 of his 25 points. And that was ultimately the difference in the game. If he shoots a Around his average, Syracuse is at least in the game and and probably wins if Cole Anthony shoots around his average from distance. Anthony, in the last eight games since he had returned from injury, was shooting 27% from three, and then he dropped seven of 11. And most of them were just straight away, kind of as I like to call the London Parentes spot because I've seen Virginia's London Parentes hit from there. I mean, really, you could name other names to fill that spot because we've seen it before it's that straight away about two feet beyond the line three feet beyond the line kind of NBA distance where you know if you're in the zone and you're in the normal spot you're kind of giving them that shot and this is another game now Tyler where the three-point defense to me is such a glaring issue five of the last six games Syracuse has played the opponent has shot it over 40 percent from beyond the arc the only time was Pittsburgh. Outside of that, it's every single team is getting what they want against this 2-3 zone, shooting the three. And here's the thing, too, is, okay, maybe 10 years ago, that shot two feet beyond the arc 
it was a tough shot for kids to hit. But watch today's totally. era of basketball. Okay, it, it's not a tough shot to hit anymore. I mean, that's what these kids are practicing now. You think Cole Anthony isn't comfortable taking a shot just because it's two, three feet from behind the arc? I mean, look at the shots Joe Girard takes sometimes. He's pulling up from that carrier logo. He's pulling up from the, the Jim Beheim signature. That's not a tough shot anymore in basketball. If it's open, it's a makeable shot. It used to be if that was open, it was still a tough shot because of the distance. But watch Trey Young. Watch Steph Curry. These are the guys that are influencing this next generation of basketball. That's not a tough shot anymore. And if the zone isn't up high enough on those shots, then guess what? These kids are not uncomfortable taking that shot anymore. So that's why you see UNC go out there and shoot 65% from three in the second half. It's that nuts. which is insane, nine of fourteen. Right, it's not a small sample size. Fourteen is a lot there, and to and knock they're not down a good three-point shooting right. team. And, I mean, and going into this right. game, North Carolina was shooting under twenty-nine percent from three. Yep, that was one of the worst in the country, and it was the worst in the ACC. And then they go out there and and look like the Warriors. It doesn't matter. I mean. I don't see, and and I'm an advocate for the 2-3 zone. I know some people listening are going to be like, oh, they better not fall into this 2-3 zone man-to-man discussion again because I do agree. Some parts of that discussion is just kind of pointless because it's not like they're going to change at this point, and I do think the zone works well in a lot of situations, but I don't know. I mean, the proof is kind of in the pudding here against North Carolina. This is nine straight wins for Roy Williams, and it does not matter the circumstances. And they score 92 points in this game. That means in the nine wins, they're now averaging 85 points a game against the 2-3 zone. And that's when Syracuse has had times where the 2-3 zone has been very good that year. Top 20 defense in the country. And that's why I'm kind of an advocate for it, because the stats back up that against most teams, it's actually pretty good defending the three. And it's actually been a good defense, and it's helped them to propel some of these tournament runs. But maybe when you're going against UNC... Try playing some man-to-man every once in a while. I'm not that guy that that says that, but this is now nine in a row, and if you weren't going to beat them this time, I don't know when you beat UNC. Here's my thing, is that when you've got these mega NBA prospects, those are the guys who, it doesn't matter, they're the ones that explode the zone. I mean, Cole Anthony, and again, it gets back to the fact that two feet behind the arc, as long as it's uncontested, is not a bad shot for a guy like Cole Anthony. That's the shot that he's going to end up taking in the NBA. Jordan Wara, again, another blowout. He didn't play great, but he he did enough, and he hit some big shots that ultimately led to that blowout win for Louisville. So when you look at the those types of names on this schedule, again, there's not a ton this year in the ACC, but those are the guys that can really blow you up from distance. And uh, to, getting back to your whole discussion of man and, and the zone, yes, would you like to see some some man sprinkled in there? Like, listen, we're not asking yeah, them I'm to. Saying. We're not asking for a a complete overhaul and to go full man to man. This team can't play man to man defense. Okay, just the way that they're I mean, they cons- could if they practiced it. But I mean, maybe, sure, but like yes. Buddy Beheim probably can't keep up with some of these guys. Dolajai and Sadibe in a one on one in the post. Uh-uh, not going to happen against Garrison Brooks, not going to happen against Armando Baycott. But is it going to be worse than it is right now? Well, that's I mean, the thing. I agree with you to an extent, but, like, I think they're all decent defenders, and the problem is the top of the zone doesn't have much height this year, 
and its inexperience with Gerard and Beheim. And I'm not really pointing the finger at them for these three pointers because they're young, but that's just the nature of it. So you've got to me, gotta somehow make some changes. The puzzle pieces just don't fit in this capacity because, okay, your guys that would be good at man to man are not looking good in the zone right now. Like you'd figure, okay, Quincy Garrier would probably be pretty good man-to-man. At least he'd be better man-to-man than he would be in the zone. Sure. Elijah Hughes, probably a little bit better man-to-man than he is in the zone. But, I mean, Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, they're probably better in the zone because it'll mask some of their deficiencies I don't that know, happen though. Like, in a they can't be much worse. And I'm not saying it's their fault, but in terms of the three-point shooting in the last six games, it can't really get much worse than what we're seeing. So I, it's, I find it hard to be there's a scenario where they're playing worse three-point defense in man-to-man. I just think that a lot of these guys, they don't have the quickness either to to hang in, especially at that top. Like, can you imagine, like, Joe Girard is guarding Cole Anthony. That's going to be a nightmare. Or if Buddy Beheim's on, on Cole Anthony, that's going to be a nightmare. So Maybe, it's, it's a two-way it street. A it was yeah. already a nightmare, but I don't think changing it would have done much. The bottom line is UNC, help, yeah. UNC, UNC has this. struggled all year to score. And then they score 92 points and look like the UNC of old against the 2-3 zone. So uh, that's all I'm saying is maybe you should have gone to man-to-man and made them work in the half court a little bit more. Right. Well, I mean, it all starts. You have to get back on defense. Whether you're yep. playing zone, whether you're playing man-to-man, you have to get back sure. on defense against UNC. And they just didn't do that. And when they did do it, they left that top of the key open. Well, one bright spot was Barama Sidibe again. I mean, I can't believe this is becoming a real thing. We were so out on him maybe two or three games ago, but we have to talk about Sidibe and what this means, if this is going to continue and how this maybe changes our opinion of next year's team because that's sort of all we have to look forward to after this loss to UNC. We'll be right back on Locked on Syracuse. Okay, we found the silver lining from the game, and it's Barama Sidibe, amazingly enough. This is now three games in a row. Sidibe's numbers, Tyler, I mean, they just jump off the page here. 17 points, 15 rebounds, and six block shots. That's got to be a new career high for him. And he was great at the free throw line, seven for eight. This is against a good team, talent-wise, that has a lot of great interior players. I will say... Armando Baycock got hurt early on, so that helped Syracuse. Didn't help them stopping them in the 2-3 zone, which adds to the fact that maybe this is just never going to happen, but we already covered that. For Barama Sidibe, though, this was a tough challenge against some tough NBA-caliber players, and he rose to the occasion, and honestly, it it's making me at least have to swallow my words a little bit. Right, and you look at the comments that Jim Beheim made. I mean, talk about someone who that message got through to loud and clear Brahma Sidibe. He's got back-to-back double-doubles now, and he's going to look for another one in Boston College, and, and very attainable against Boston College on Tuesday, tomorrow. But, I mean, when you look at what he's done, it does look like he, it almost looks like he cares a little bit more, doesn't it? I mean, he, he's going after, he's just more active. He, he's looked a lot better moving his feet down low, and he just looks a lot more confident, which is funny because Basically, Jim Beheim's words that, that were essentially directed at him and the rest of the bigs were confidence-smashing words. And 
there goes Brahma Sidibe. He didn't take it as a confidence smasher. He took it as motivation. And you gotta you gotta tip your hat to that. But back to back double doubles, like I mentioned, he's never had more than two double doubles in a year. Now he's got two in a row. And <laughs> th- this is a, a really welcome sign for what the the future is gonna be like for Syracuse. Because I mean if Brahma Sidibe is gonna get you ten to twelve points a night. You feel pretty good, especially if that's coupled with double-digit rebounds and then three or four blocks. Now, the three or four blocks probably not attainable every single night, but when you're seeing, okay, six, now, and then four the last game, to go along with the steals, I mean, he's turning these blocks into steals, too. So, he had the five steals against Pitt, he has one against, uh, against UNC, so this is a welcome sign. When you look at one of the the few bright spots in that that UNC game, because he again Pitt, we kind of said, okay, we want to see it again though. We're not buying yeah. it quite yet, and then boom, he goes out against UNC, and now you're starting to buy in a little bit. You can lean into that, and I think it's a welcome sign too. He played 35 minutes. Okay, Th- that's the most he's played all season. So for yeah. him to be out there on the floor, now he did still get into foul trouble. He had the four. But for him to stay out on the floor against two NBA quality guys in Brooks and in Baycott, like that's impressive. And for him to do it in a big game too, I mean, Syracuse needs that. And this team really can can only go as far as they're big sometimes when you look at certain matchups. And listen, he did his job on the boards, but I mean, the rest of the team has to step up. Syracuse got out-rebounded by 10 in this game and... Brahma Sidibe's got 15 boards. No one else has more than three. And that's that's yeah, alarming to me. That's the big right. stat right there. He had five offensive rebounds, and I agree with what you're saying. He is just playing with a certain aggressiveness these past couple games. There was one play that really stood out to me. He didn't even make the shot, but right before half, I think it was, he went up and basically tried a poster dunk, and he was charging down the baseline and, went up for a hard dunk, like grabbed the rim and drawed a foul. And I was like, whoa. Like, you know, I'm sitting courtside thinking, I have never seen that. And that's why I thought if we haven't seen it by now, we probably weren't going to see it. But I hope I stand corrected because this would change the complexion of next year's team. Now, I will say we're seeing it on the offensive end. The defensive end, he is still getting in somewhat foul trouble. You have to cut down on that. And also, they're still scoring points at will inside the paint it's not all his fault as you mentioned it's a collective effort there in the zone and he's doing a better job but that's really where I think you need to see progress is the interior of the zone because that has been the problem all year long in a weak ACC and I worry about next year when the ACC is likely going to be a little bit better how much of that is going to still be a problem next year. Right. I mean, you, you're going to have to see. I want to see it the rest of the season, okay? It, it's not good enough for, okay, you do it against Pitt, and then you do it against UNC, and then you go back to your old ways. No, that's not enough. I'm not saying he needs to go out and get a double-double every night, but he still has to show the things that he's shown these last couple of games. He has to show that he, he's still active with his feet. He has to go out and show that he can get to those blocks, especially around the free throw line area, because I think that's really where he's thrived, is those turnaround jumpers that some of those bigs want to take, or even sometimes guards want to take, and he just gets out there and gets a hand on it, and then it turns into transition for Syracuse. 
I think that's been the biggest thing that that's allowed for this turnaround for Sidibe. And I need to see that against Boston College and then against Miami and then against whoever Syracuse takes on in the ACC tournament. Right. All right, you want to stop talking about an NIT basketball team at this point? There was some other cool stuff that went on this week. All right, so a busy week away from basketball. We had, obviously, a huge game inside the Dome. Even though they lost, it was still cool. Final Dome game, kind of as we know it. Although I think that's being a little bit overhyped because the Dome's not going anywhere, but it's still a cool opportunity to kind of look back on the Dome memories. You had John Wallace there, which is very well-deserved, and honestly, I think he's kind of underrated in the grand scheme of Syracuse legacy. He gets his number 44 retired. And then Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon randomly showed up. I feel like we have to talk about what Jimmy Fallon was doing because when the second half got unentertaining from a Syracuse side of things, he was out there kind of making it look like the Tonight Show a little bit. It was pretty funny. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, so, <laughs> no, th- I mean, the thing with that was, and I saw a lot of people tweet this too, they've never seen any celebrity have as much fun at a Syracuse game than, than Jimmy Fallon. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, he looked like he was having a blast there. And, and Brady and Edelman were just kind of there as Mr. Cool the entire time. But the the fact that Jimmy Fallon, and I guess it speaks more to his personality of, of who he is. And, it, of course, you have to be when you're that level of entertainer. But he just came and had fun. He did the, the shooting contest. He directed the band. He was stealing Pete Moore's phone, the, the Syracuse SID, and, and tweeting stuff off of it, too. Like, that that was really funny stuff and really yeah. really cool to see that in that last environment like that in the dome for the season. So, hats off to you, Jimmy Fallon. What was that like? I mean, I know you it were there. It was pretty wild. Yeah. Well, the other thing that was interesting is, and I'm sure you saw. I think Matthew Gutierrez tweeted out that Tom Brady, Edelman, and Fallon went into the locker room afterwards. So. Yeah. Once, it took forever for the media to allow to get into the locker room, longer than normal, because I think Brady and Edelman were in there and those guys. So once we got in there, I went up to some of the players and asked them, like, what did they say? And they mostly said the same type of message that Goody tweeted out, which was that Brady went from undrafted and kind of shared his story and Edelman as well, which is cool that they did that. And obviously that's, I mean... Any sort of celebrity engagement at the game can help recruiting-wise. I'd, you know, I'd imagine D.R. Johnson were, were, and Chance. Were they in the locker room cool. for that? Yeah, so uh, not when the media went in. No, but they, they were in the locker left. room with, with Brady and Edelman and all them? Oh, D.R.? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Yeah. I think, That's big. I don't know if it overlapped a ton, but yeah. I, I, I would imagine they were impressed because the Dome was very loud in the first half. But... Anyway, I went up to Quincy Garrier, one of the guys that I asked, like, what did Brady say and what did that mean? And he was funny. He was like, I never really watched football because, you know, he's from Canada. And right. he's like, I've started to get into it more. And, and he goes, yeah, I know he's, like, one of the greatest ever. What's he have, like, three Super Bowls? And I was like, hey, he's got six, man. But it was funny just because he's not a football guy, wow. but he's getting more into it. And Maybe that's said, a problem. He was like, well, Syracuse yeah, he was is going like after six. all these Canadians, and they don't watch as much football. So maybe yeah. that wasn't cool at all. Or like when Gronk was at the game last year. That's not cool to the Canadians. Right. He was like, six? I, I guess he is the greatest ever. So that's Quincy Garrier's take on it after finding out it was double the amount. But that that could be a segment. Some other cool stuff. Football with Quincy yeah. Garrier. <laughs> it should be. I, I know that he uh, almost played soccer. So right. football, soccer, however you want to call it. He, he was a very good soccer player, and that kind of goes under the radar. He had a opportunity to play internationally, so... 
when he was maybe 14 or 15 and kind of passed it up for basketball. But anyway, we digress. The, some other cool stuff that happened was obviously the Tiana Monacahia story went out officially on ACC Network, and that's on Twitter. We quote tweeted it at LO underscore Syracuse, the Locked On Syracuse account, and it's very much worthwhile to watch. I think it's a little over nine minutes, Tyler, yeah. but – I mean, they did a great job with what is obviously such an inspiring story from Tiana. Right, that was really cool. And, I mean, there were times where I I almost broke down. I mean, it it was just that well done. And and just to hear her story coming back from from the the cancer and the chemo treatment, it's it's really, really tough to, to imagine what she's going through right now. And I remember there was that time in it where, Coach Q's talking about it, and it's the moment when she comes in and tells Coach Q about yeah. the fact that she has breast cancer. And Coach Q's like, yeah, I broke down, we broke down, we cried together for 30 seconds, and then the coach and me says, all right, we're, we're going to beat this. And, and that's, Which is so cool. that's so cool to see from a coach's perspective, from a player's perspective. I mean, that whole thing was really well done. And for them I, to, to share I really that story hope- was really cool. Yeah, I really hope when she plays in her first game in the Dome next year, it is a huge crowd, and it should be. But, you know, in some cases it feels like they get under-supported a little bit. But they've been really good, and next year they've got a really good recruiting class, and it's worth recognizing just with Tiana back, this could be – they're not going to make the tournament this year, which is very rare for them, but it's been a weird season, obviously, losing Tiana. And next year they could be actually almost a national title contender. I mean, over the the past five years, they've been the best program at Syracuse. When you look at all the athletics – If not for women's lacrosse, which had a a big win this week too. Yeah. Yeah. And women's lacrosse, shout out to them because – Obviously, we talked how about, about how Maryland went soft. Yeah, it, it had to feel pretty good for Gary Gate and those guys to only beat Maryland for the second time, and they had to do it at their place. Maryland's a little down compared to what they normally are, but, I mean, these lacrosse teams are off to great starts because you got men's lacrosse that's up to number one in the country on inside lacrosse. The latest poll dropped this morning, and they haven't been there since 2017. So these are two teams that are traditionally great, have – Kind of been a little bit of lulls, but really good starts to the season for both those programs. And obviously just really sweet to see them kind of take it to Maryland after what happened over the week. I think the the best part of that women's lacrosse win, too, you know, especially in college, the athletes on Twitter are very, very silent when it comes to something controversial happening like that. But, but these Cuse women's lacrosse players, they didn't care. They they, they just no. went after some of these. As they shouldn't have, like, yeah. Megan Carney quotes, tweets the, the original tweet of the update of the data game and says, the sun was out in Cuse today with a couple emojis. Liz Hogan, <laughs> do, do turtle shells not protect, protect against one inch of snow? Asking for a friend. I'm trying to find find some other ones here. Uh, Asa Goldstock, absolutely beautiful day in Syracuse, New York. It's too bad we have to take a bus <laughs> ride down to College Park. Let's go Cuse. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that little chirpiness, that little edge. Even though you're a top-five team in the country, you got a little edge to you, too. So I like that, and yeah. I think maybe that's what will propel this team. And it's such a shame that they won't be in the Dome the rest of the season because I really do feel like these both those teams are very worthwhile to watch. But you can go to CNS and CBA and check them out. So we'll keep monitoring the other sports. We'll keep focusing on – What's left here at basketball season? We'll have a preview pod tomorrow on BC and 
maybe dive into what the ACC tournament could lay out to be because yeah. obviously Syracuse kind of in the thick of that middle and seeding is so important for that. My one last closing thought on, on the dome uh-huh. being shut down until next year. L- little interesting that, that you're bringing in the master deflator to, to suck the air out of the dome, Tom uh, Brady. Yeah. One last time. I knew you were going to throw that yeah. in. You couldn't You couldn't let the pod finish without no, it. No, I couldn't. All right, well, we'll end on that note. <laughs> you can leave it at that. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. For Tyler Aki, I'm Tim Leonard. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.